Please would you stand for the Holy Gospel? Alleluia, alleluia. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I wonder if any of you have ever been involved in one of those 360-degree appraisals at work where you, or more pertinently, your boss, are supposed to get constructive feedback about how you operate from a range of people who experience your work all with the aim of improving your performance, or done one of those personality profile questionnaires which are meant to reveal your personality type and how you respond to events generally in life to help you become more able to self-direct your behaviour. Well, anyway, that's not what's going on in today's Gospel reading from Matthew. Jesus asked his disciples what people were saying about him. We're not meant to assume that he doesn't know. It's a conversation with disciples about who he is and to help them to see the truth about who they are and who they will be as his church. The coronavirus pandemic has hit the world and especially as it turns out our country very badly. Much has been lost directly or indirectly because of this crisis. Most tragically, more than 65,000 lives this year over and above what is expected in an average year. Over 40,000 directly attributable to COVID-19. So much grief and suffering and anger. And then there is the loss of businesses, jobs, incomes, opportunities for young people in particular. The threat of the loss of their home looming for so many. And across the world, especially for the poorest of the poor and those living in poor conditions to start with, life has become even tougher. In that context and background, it might appear churlish to bemoan what we have missed and are missing from our life as a church community in terms of our worship, our activities, our social life, our teaching, and being together generally. Some in the church have lighted on silver linings, but we all know we'd rather have the blue sky than the dark cloud however silver its lining. Yet into this situation of lack and loss for us as a church community, these words of Jesus from Matthew can speak. How important and life-giving it is for us to hear who Jesus is and who we are, and also who we could be as church in these confusing times. 
The disciples tell Jesus, people are saying he is John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And just as when people today compare a current leader to a great figure of the past, it reveals what their attitude is to that leader. What attitude towards Jesus did a comparison with the prophets reveal? By no means unambiguously positive. The prophets of the Hebrew tradition were often the focus of hatred, seen as figures of disloyalty, especially by the rulers and the elite, bringers of division, generally as un unwelcome as often, if not more often, than welcome. Some of the biblical prophets complained bitterly to God for bringing them into a vocation which was so personally painful, and most paid a great price in personal suffering for their dedication to the message which they knew God has given them to speak out. In the narrative of Matthew's Gospel, leading up to today's section, we see Jesus reviled and constantly challenged by the religious leaders of his community for his message and his actions. Even though what Jesus is doing is clearly beneficial to the sick and to the distressed and to the marginalized in his communities. We see Jesus scorned and rejected in his hometown of Nazareth, where he makes the point explicitly, prophets are not without honor, except in their own country and their own house. So it was entirely consistent with how Jesus acted and yet how badly he was received by the rulers and elite of his day that he was characterized as a prophet in the ancient tradition or as another version of John the Baptist, as King Herod speculated. But Matthew's gospel sets out to awaken or to confirm in its readers the faith that Jesus is not only a prophet. From its opening chapter, Matthew's gospel, as other gospels, tell us who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, God's anointed, Christ, the very Son of God. So our particular gospel passage today comes at the end of a section in Matthew's gospel where the whole issue is, who is Jesus? Is he really more than a troublesome prophet? Is he truly God's Messiah? The section kicked off with John the Baptist sending a message from prison to Jesus to ask whether he really was the one or should they wait for another. And Jesus' reply was to say, look at what's happening. People are being cured and given back their lives. The poor are being lifted up. And that section of the gospel ends at our passage, passage today with Simon Peter declaring to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The disciples of Jesus had begun to discern who he really was. Peter's declaration was not actually the first time the disciples had voiced this insight in the flow of Matthew's narrative. In the incident when Jesus walked on the water, saved Peter from sinking and caused the wind to calm down, we are told that the disciples in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But back to today's particular episode. We read, Jesus says that he will build his church on this rock, understood by some Christians to mean it was Peter who is the rock on which the church would be built. But it makes sense to read Jesus' words as meaning that it is the affirmation voiced by Peter, whose name does mean rock, the affirmation that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That is the rock on which the church will be built. So Jesus' words here then are a message about the community of the church founded in Jesus. Not merely as a human figure of history, we are not a club of followers of a particularly outstanding spiritual leader. As church, we are a community which is built on the basis of God coming to us and being with us in Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. 
So because of that, as church, we are a community which rests on Jesus. Today's Gospel reading then finishes with a clue as to the incompleteness at this point of the disciples' understanding of who Jesus the Messiah really is. They were full of ideas of the Messiah as a triumphant ruler. In fact, we could read the Gospel as suggesting that the reason why his disciples at this point thought Jesus could not merely be a prophet but truly was the Messiah was because they had seen indications of his coming triumph, as they thought. Crowds praising Jesus and great acts of power making a difference to people's lives. All this fitted with their understanding of what a Messiah, rather than simply a prophet, should be like. But we read, Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. He knew that they had some way to go before they understood what sort of Messiah Jesus is. And as we can read in the next section of the story, as soon as Peter heard that this involved Jesus suffering, being rejected and ultimately killed, he refused to take it on board. Since early this year, the coronavirus pandemic has given us the opportunity to reconsider what church really is. I don't mean by that just to recycle the old truism that the church is the people, not the building. We discovered during lockdown, many of us, how much we missed the church building. Not because it is a beautiful building, though it is, but because it is a home, a precious place, where we have met habitually with our brothers and sisters in Christ and together opened our hearts and minds to God's loving presence. And this is not, I think, a trivial point. It matters when a home is lost, even though faith does not, any more than life itself, consist in material things. And yet there are few more disabling conditions than to be rendered homeless. And that is also true of church as community. We do need a place to assemble. But that is not the message I believe today's gospel has for us at this time on the question of who are we? And who could we be as church now? If ever we were to conduct a 360 degree appraisal of church in our society, how challenging would that be? And would we change in the light of it? Our time as shut out of our building and the still missing dimensions of our usual church community life and perhaps some of the things we will never get back have opened up a space for us to face that challenging question, but also to do so knowing and trusting that in the end, the church is not being built by us, but by Jesus. Who are we as church and who we will become now? It is not my aim to answer all of that in this sermon. You'll be pleased to hear in the time of... What we can be reminded of today is that whoever we are and are becoming as church, we are who we are and we will be who we will be because of Jesus and who Jesus is. God with us, the Christ the Son of the Living God.